All right, race fans, I'm Ryan Eho. That is the one and only Puka bringing you episode 84 of the One to Go show. Puka, how the heck you doing, man? Well, I'm barely alive. Played that <laughs> hockey tournament this weekend. I wish I was 20 years younger. I wouldn't be so tired and sore. And, but uh, we had a good time. And so I didn't catch a lot of racing uh, this week, race fans. So we're going to be leaning on Ryan Heavy, which we do every episode anyway. But uh, um, other than that, pretty good. How about you? How you doing? How was your weekend? doing great i think back to high school hockey i was well rested then i kind of watched you guys all play i was kind of that uh, they called me the judge right i spent so much time on the bench they could have called me the judge but uh, i definitely uh man i watch hockey and i'm out of breath right now so man i i don't know maybe i need to get after a little bit but hey episode 84 you know we've been doing this for a while number 84 who do you got come on who do you got for a number 84 I got an infrequent visitor to the Hibbing Raceway in late models back in the day. Johnny Crest from down, I don't know, city, south of the cities, maybe, somewhere like that. I, he was somewhere down there. I remember that. That's the guy right there. I forgot completely about him. That's a good one right there. Yeah. So, yeah, he had the white car pretty plain, right, if I remember. had the blue 84 on the side of it. Yeah. You know, I ran – I don't know if I ever really had an opportunity to meet him, but he did come up for a few specials and – you know, we saw him, I guess, throughout the years. Um, I have a Dean, you're a nine, and I'm a 10. Right? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> the flying so, fin. Yeah, the flying fin. We got Dean, you're a nine, and who was an absolute rock star in the Modifieds. Had a little stint in Super Stocks as well. Um, I, I think I have him on Facebook, actually. So I think he still kind of goes to the races every once in a while, but it's been a little while. But one of the I think he was over from the Ash, maybe Lake Nebagaman, I think is what Lake it was. Lake Nebagaman, yep, that's it. Yeah, yep. over. Yep. so he was an Ashland car, ran superior, but really good in that 84 modified. And, you know, let's get to it. Before we start, you know, I want to thank one of our sponsors. You know, of course, this show brought to you by our friends at Dirt Track Supply. You know, Ron, Trevor, all the guys over there in Watertown. I mean, if you need parts, if you need service, if you just need advice, they're there. I mean, they, they've been around racing for a long time. Trevor's won races. Ron is a legend. He's won a ton of races. You know, and he's a straight shooter. I've talked to lots of people. I was talking to Dan Nisalki. He said, man, I buy all my parts from them guys. Ron's a straight shooter. I'll, I'll do every all the business I can. So and that's a, a good super stock guy from Southern Minnesota. So that speaks volumes to the, to the, you know, the depth that they have. You know, they're not just local. They, they service people and they help people all around the, the racing community, you know, throughout the region. So great folks over there in Watertown, Dirt Track Supply, give them a call. They'll take good care of you. Of course, home of the Aero Chassis, and uh, they've won a bunch of races as well. So, you know, let, let's get to it, man. There, yeah. There's a lot of racing. There's some pretty big stuff. There was a little bit of drama, a little bit of everything. <laughs> we like drama. That's a, yeah. that's fun. We like that. Ooh. Yeah. So, yeah, well, let's bring, I mean, the first I mean, big topic, you know, we always like to get into a topic or delve into a subject here, the teching, you know, obviously at Eldora, impounding cars, what, 24 hours, up to 24 hours, plan on sticking around. So we wanted to start there. And obviously we'll start with you, Ryan, just kind of what your thoughts are, what you've seen during your racing career as far as teching and is it getting extreme? Well, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, when you have that much money on the line, right? We're talking 126,000 to win one day, 127,000 the other day. I think uh, Overton took home what? Wasn't it uh 200 and like 270,000 or something? Yeah. Quarter like mil. <laughs> yeah, he took home over a quarter million dollars. 
you know, they asked him about it. He's like, tech, do what you got to do. Like, as long as I'm ready to go for a Thursday at the Clash at the Mag, I don't really care. Tech me, you know, because quite honestly, when somebody wins that kind of money, you know, and there's that many cars there, people start chirping. It just is what it is. Oh, he's cheating. He's doing this. He's doing that. You know, traction control. And let's be honest, traction control is out there. It's a real thing. You know, I mean, um, have they ever caught it? Not that I know of. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever seen, especially like with soda, but I don't think World of Outlaws, anybody's ever caught it. You know, they've tried. It's out there. But, you know, they, they were talking, we're really going to be looking for that. And, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, if they're there, if they're informed beforehand, hey, we're going to go through everything. Why not? I mean, the IMCA, the IMCA Super Nationals, and I promise that don't pay anywhere near what they just got paid at the dream. They basically completely stripped the whole car. I mean, they go really? through everything with a fine tooth comb, you know, and, and I'm, I like that, right? It's all about keeping people on an even playing field. Teching is necessary. Now, we're going to get into a topic here because I have a problem with certain tech people. I have a problem with the mindset of certain tech people. So let's let's just say this, right? A tech guy, their job is quite honestly just to keep people honest, even even the playing field, not dick with people, right? Sometimes I wonder, honestly, if if some of these tech people were picked on as kids and then all of a sudden they get in a position of authority and then they just bring down the iron fist and they're like, oh, Never I back. showed you, I showed you, right? Don't argue with me, I know everything. And, and there's a lot of them out there. Some of them are great. There's some great tech guys, but there's some that just have a chip on their shoulder, you know, and they got to look at it. And they they got to really think to themselves, is their job, I mean, should they be going, oh man, my job, I'm going to try to get somebody tonight, right? You know, you think about police officers. There's some fantastic police officers and law enforcement in our country. We're very thankful for them. And then there's some that give everybody a bad name, right? That, that are just like, Oh, I'm going to give everybody a ticket. I can like, I'm dicking with everybody. It's the same thing with teching. It's, you know, why on earth would you just go out of your way to make people's life difficult? Right. So this deal, especially, did, especially, let me jump in here, especially like we, we talked a little about the challenge series and the throwaway shows. And I was kind of, I was on the side of the working guy. These are people are not, you know, majority of them, not professional with older, especially not professional. You know, they're busy. I mean, they do everything they can just to get to the track. And then you worry about, an infringement that's this big, like you said, that's no advantage anyway. You know, and, and there's a, here's the deal, right? There's two types of infractions. One is where you're physically going out of your way to cheat, right? You're like, I am trying to gain an edge. I am trying to cheat. I'm cutting corners. I'm, I'm putting myself in, you know, people out there maybe that have ported their heads or people that have, you know, maybe traction control or doing different stuff with suspension that is absolutely not allowed. And then there's a flip side of that where it's like, okay, maybe their roof rake is a little bit too much, right? Or maybe they're, they have like a, a I, I've seen people get disqualified, literally, I'm not even making this up. So on, on Wasota wheels, right? They're steel wheels in the street stocks, the B mods, super stocks, A mods, they all run the same wheel. It's a stamped wheel. Now embedded in the wheel is a stamp that says Wasota. It's stamped right in the wheel, okay? But also on each wheel is a certification sticker, right? So it has a serial number in, in those stickers and, and part of that money comes back to a soda to go in the point fund. But let's be honest, if the sticker comes off the wheel and they look at the wheel and they're like, oh yeah, the stamp's right there, it's clearly a Wissota wheel, 
Right. right? I mean, let's let's not be. It's obviously legal. Okay, it's stamped with soda. Right. And I've seen people get disqualified for a sticker falling off a wall. Makes no sense. I mean, that that's where you got to have some common sense and be like, all right, seriously. We'll get it recertified, whatever. Obviously, the wheel's legal, but no certain tech guys will just dick with them. I personally got disqualified up in Ashland one time, and I don't know if it was a local tech guy or regional one or how it worked or who disqualified me, but I was in a B main and I got together actually with Don Cop on the last lap and I hit the got the transfer spot and it busted my left front A frame right now. It was broke. Left front A frame tire was all flopped back like that. I come across scales and they're like, you're disqualified. I'm like, for what? Your wheelbase is short. I'm like, my wheel, it's broken. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what? They're like, don't matter. Short is short. <clears throat> I could have killed somebody. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, that's where common sense comes in. Ashland again. And I, I'm picking on Ashland here, but just a couple examples I have, right? Um, there was a gentleman, uh, Jeff Leon. You probably remember Jeff Leon, right? Yep. So the kid runs now. He blew up a couple motors. He put a B mod motor in an A mod, and he come. He didn't. He got like fifth or sixth or fifth. He must have got fifth because he had to go through tech. He didn't qualify for the feature. He had a B mod motor in an A mod. Okay, <laughs> a B mod motor in an A mod, and it had you know basically it had an aluminum intake. I think four barrel carburetor on it, <clears throat> and on the hood, you're supposed to put spec twenty four fifty or whatever. You know whatever engine you are, there's a certain weight you got to be. And they looked down and they said, nope, that, that engine is, uh, them are not spec heads, you're illegal. Okay, so fine. Yeah, yes, that is absolutely true. Those were not spec heads. He needed to weigh more. But does that warrant a 30-day suspension and a $1,000 fine? I mean, at a certain point, you know, you got to have some common sense to where, like, let's, let's just be honest. Why are we dicking with people? A body rules, okay? So out west this past week, there was several drivers over actually over the last three or four weeks out there. There's been several in the BMOD class out in Wyoming disqualified for illegal roof rake, meaning that the front of the roof is down too much from the back, right? It's too much angle on the roof, okay? Is there an advantage there? I don't know. I don't know a wind tunnel. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. In my opinion, okay, this is my opinion, a body infraction should be like a fix-it ticket, right? It should be like having a tail light out. All right, let's get it fixed. And, and quite honestly, if tech guys are going to be teching bodies, why, are they sitting back there going, oh, we're going to get somebody tonight? Like, are they sitting back? Like, what are they doing? Why not just go up to people at the pit meeting and say, look, here's the deal. Some of the bodies are getting out of hand here. And maybe they did this. I don't know that for sure, okay? Now, if they did, hats off to them, great. If they did not, Here's what should be done, okay? If you're going to tech body rules and you're going to start nitpicking on body, because sometimes they get out of hand. you got to have rules in place. I get it. Otherwise, you can end up with some pretty creative-looking stuff, right? But if you're going to start teching that, why not just tell people at the pit meeting, look, we're going to be looking close at bodies tonight, and, and we're giving you a fair warning right now that if you feel your stuff is out of shape, fix it because we're giving you a warning. And, and if you have somebody, right, in mind, like, well, that don't look right, why do you got to be a dick? Why not just yeah. go up to the person and say, look, here's the deal. I'm pretty sure, you know, we're tacking tonight after the feature. You may consider looking at your roof rake. Probably not going to make it. Here's the rule. Get it fixed. I don't want to have to disqualify you. Why would you not do that? Especially now when tracks are struggling to get cars. 
you know, why would you not do that? You know, and some tech guys do. Some tech guys, they're sitting back going, ooh, I'm going to get this one. Ooh, I'm going to get them. And what really pisses me off, and we've seen this, is certain tech guys, right, will will do that to some people, like their buddies, and be like, we're checking this stuff tonight. We're checking the top five. Here's what we're checking. Make sure you're good. And then the next guy over here is like, shit, I'm illegal, right? It, it just makes no sense. Now, <clears throat> if it's ported heads or traction control or softened tires or, you know, something that's way out of hand, hey, like, hammer them because that is absolutely a, a huge advantage. Um, I was going to kind of come down on the folks down at Chateau. I don't know all the details and I did some research. So a couple street stock guys down there. And actually, I think there was more than just that track, a couple different tracks. They had, they got disqualified for their rear brake rotors being light. There's a, there's a weight. I've, I've never even ever in my entire life. They run the same rotors, modifieds and super stocks do. And I'm talking about some people that have been winning some races. They took the rotors off. You got to unbolt stuff to do it. And they weighed the rotors and they said, yeah, it's, it's too light. We're talking like a half a pound. I'm not, that's another one of those deals. All right. It's like, uh, why? Okay. First of all, you know, there's no advantage there. And I get it. If people are lightening their rotors and I don't know if these people were or not, if they're lightening their rotors, it's probably a disadvantage. Um, they could break. There's, there's some issues there. But why not just go up to them at the pit meeting and say, look, here's what we're checking tonight. I mean, you know, why, why do they got to be out to get people? It's not like it's right. a huge, huge advantage. And uh, that's that's the thing I've never understood about about teching is some people handle it with professionalism. And they, they're like, hey, we just want to make it an even playing field. We ain't here to dick with people. We're not trying to make people's life difficult. We're not trying to be an asshole. We're just we want everybody to be on an even playing field. And if you're cheating, hey, we're going to throw the book at you. You know, if it's a minor infraction that don't mean nothing, you know, just fix it. You know, let's let's just try to get back within, you know, the realm of everybody being on the same page. And, and that kind of frustrates me. But as far as Eldora, I thought that was a pretty cool deal that they went above and beyond. They impounded the cars, you know, and they really went through it because, quite honestly, there's a lot of people talking. They're like, man, he's got to be cheating. But they But they told him beforehand they were going to do it, too. See, yeah. that's an example. They said, hey, we're impounding cars. Words going around, traction control. There's a few different things. All that stuff came out. So guess what? The same guy won, right? The same right. guy won. So obviously it wasn't an issue, but uh, that's a little bit there. So, you know, common sense is really needed. You just gotta, we're all in this together. You know, there's no reason to, to kind of have like promoter against driver and tech guy against driver and, it doesn't need to be that way. Let, let's just make racing grow together. And I think that's the way it needs to be. So that leads me, we had a couple of fan questions of the week there, Puka. You know, I don't know if you, I think you probably saw them in your notes. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. and the, there it's brought to you uh, by Cowboy Up Racing, Shane Howell. And uh, I was supposed to get a hold of him today, was not able to. He says, man, I'm going to let you know exactly what I want to say. We'll get that on the next show. But uh, Puka, he won another feature, actually. He won a uh, Friday night. <laughs> Over in Fergus, the I-94 Sure Step Speedway. So that's three in a row, actually, for Cowboy there. That's pretty cool. Um, I think he ran after that, didn't win, but he had three in a row. So that's pretty cool for him. But one question I got was from Patrick, okay? And it says, why do some drivers, and I want your take on this, and then I'll give you my take. But why do some drivers skip out on racing at home and drive two-plus hours to go race somewhere else? And I'm talking weekly, weekly stuff. Right. I'm not talking like if they have a weekly show at home and, 
it's five grand to win two hours away. I'm talking if it's two week, two weekly shows. Why are some drivers driving two hours, two and a half, three hours instead of racing at home? And what effect does that have on the sport? So I'm gonna ask you this question in particular. As a fan of racing, you know, did you have certain people that you wanted to go to the weekly program and you're like, man, I want to watch these drivers? And how did it affect you as a fan when they weren't there? Well, yeah, that's that's a this is a great topic. And you know, I guess one reason that they may be doing it just what you talked about. Maybe there's a jerk tech guy. Maybe they just don't like the promoter, the association. They're just, they're angry. They're frustrated. Maybe it's, it's track conditions. It seems to make no sense. And I think, of course, it, it's greatly affecting weekly racing. Like I said, this is, you know, if you're not supporting your local Jack and then they close, don't complain that you always have to drive two hours or what is it? You know, you got to support even as fans support your local track. Otherwise that thing shuts down. You're driving two hours on Friday night or three hours on Saturday, whatever it may be. Um, and another thing that not racing your local track, I, I saw this happen years ago with a guy I knew he, his sponsor showed up one night at the local track. He was gone. He was six hours away. He was at a special, you know, but the guy got there and looked around his car wasn't there. Well, then the next year they went back to ask for a sponsorship renewal and they said no, because I mean, he, he was, he was not a racing guy, but he got involved a little bit. And one night he decided to go, his car wasn't there. He kind of threw up his hands. So that's another thing could adversely affect you as a racer if you're not sticking around home. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you're exactly right. So, you know, the, I'll answer the first question is why do people do that? And there's a multitude of reasons. And you touched on them. Sometimes, you know, sometimes their local track, they're like, I just don't like racing here, right? I get it. You know, they're, they're, maybe their track's not as good or maybe they're better at a different track or whatever it may be. Maybe they have... Maybe there's a rivalry going on and they just don't want to deal with the drama. Maybe they're fighting with the promoter or the tech guy. Um, maybe, you know, there's all kinds of different variables, but, but I've seen there's certain drivers in different areas that have lived, you know, some there's several superior guys. Some of them are my friends that used to like, just, they wouldn't race superior. They lived in superior. They're like, well, we're going to go to Menominee. Why? <laughs> yeah, why, why would you go to Menominee? Let's be honest. I mean, Don McClaw Speedway, in my opinion, I, I liked it better than Menominee. The Menominee guys will argue with that, right? But I, I like Superior better. I mean, I, I had better luck there. I never won at Menominee. Maybe that's why I didn't like Menominee, right? So that's, that's part of it. <clears throat> but I, I don't really understand why they do that. You'd have to ask each individual. You know, a lot of times, sometimes it's, uh, I'll be honest, sometimes it's an ego thing. Sometimes their home track has some stout competition and if they just go a couple hours away, they run there. You know, they, they don't have to race again. Sometimes they're kind of dodging competition. Sometimes they're looking at it going, you know, hey, here's the deal. You know, I, I'm one of 30 drivers here, which that ain't the case anymore. But I can go there and there's a lesser field. You know, I, I feel a little bit more significant or whatever it is. I, I really don't understand that. I always try to support my local tracks when I could. You know, and, and I've hit specials, but I race for track points too. And, you know, now specials, that's a different deal. You know, I can see why somebody would leave home and, and go to a special. So to piggyback off that, I had somebody ask me this weekend, you know, if there's a special in your area, right? If you live in area A and you have a track that's like an hour and a half one way that is regular pay and you can go an hour to an hour and a half the other way and it's like 1500 to win, 
why would you go to that one? And that happened, right? So so Daryl Nelson, for example, he, he brought out the mod this weekend. He went to Cedar Lake on Saturday instead of going to Ashland for the Advantage RV Mod Tour race. Jody Belfi, he, he lives in Carleton and he went to Ogilvy instead of going to Ashland. He's, he's won at both, right? And so I actually asked Jody, I'm like, why would you do that? He's like, well, we got Mod Wars coming up down at Ogilvy. He goes, I'm not following the Advantage RV Mod Tour anyway. So it's, it's more important for me to go down <coughs> to Ogilvy and get more laps in, test some stuff. So when the Mod Wars come in, I have a legitimate shot to win that. And I'm assuming it's the same deal with Daryl because, of course, this weekend is the Masters, right? And it's three, five, and 10,000 to win. And he's scheduled to have the Mod and late at that event. So he probably is like, well, I can go to Ashland for 1,500, but it's three, five, and 10 next week at Cedar. I'm going there. So the other thing is I talked to my buddy John Tardy and he says, you know, let's let's look at the pay. Look at the pay for these special events. And and I get it. Tracks can only pay so much. I get it. I've done the numbers for racetracks. I get it, right? But you got to get up a pretty significant amount in the future in order to even break even, right? So when we when we break it down, look back 15, 20 years ago, fuel for your hauler costs less. It costs less to get in. Tires cost less, fuel costs less. Everything is increased in price now, right? But the purses have kind of stayed the same. Well, how many nights in a row can somebody be like, well, it's going to cost me three, four, maybe $500 to race? Because you have to, if you want to compete at a special, if you don't put a couple new tires on, probably three, you ain't winning. You ain't going to compete. So, so you add all that cost in, how many nights in a row can you just keep spending three, four, five hundred dollars. And if you do that every single week, pretty soon you're like, holy cow. And if you're running up front, I get it. But if you're kind of a mid-pack guy, it's it's tough to keep doing that. So there's a lot of variables. Now, how does it impact the sport? Exactly like you said, sponsors is number one. If you if you're going around your home area and you're asking all these businesses to sponsor your car, hey, so support my race team. I'm gonna promote your business. And then you're not even at the track that's going to actually benefit them. I, I just shake my head, right? I mean, that, that literally makes no sense to me. And that happens. Sadly, that happens. But the fact is, certain sponsors don't care. Certain sponsors are like, hey, I don't care where you race. You just got to have that communication with your sponsors. The other thing is the fan base, right? Because nowadays, you know, tracks back when I was racing, right? And when Harry Hansen was at the top of his game, fan bases were different. When my dad raced and, and all of them, people come down in the pits afterwards and all these haulers would have 10, 15, 20 people at it. People be socializing. It was like a gathering. Well, now that may happen if you race in your local track every single night. Some people have people coming down, but fans just don't follow their drivers like they used to. So like if you're if you're leaving home and you're going two hours away, chances are your fans are not going two hours away to follow you, right? So you're losing connection with your fan base and they might be on Dirt Race Central or whatever watching that event, but it's totally different watching your friend online than being there in person. So I don't know, I, I'm a big proponent of supporting weekly racing. Um, I think some of these specials, I think all that traveling, I mean, I did a lot of it myself, but I think that it, it takes away from the sport. We need to get back to more grassroots stuff 
And I think if we can get back to that, we can grow the sport. So kind of a good question there, uh, kind of an in-depth answer, probably yeah. a lot longer answer than he wanted. But uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for the question on that one. And, and one more, <clears throat> uh, this is from Driver. Um, and you've seen this, you've seen this many times. And there were, there was a couple incidents this week. I had a, a pissed off driver. He, he says, don't put my name out there. Cause I don't want any repercussion for this. Right. <laughs> I'm like, all right. So I won't say who you are. No, nah, I won't say who you are. I, I'll be nice. <clears throat> so he said, you know, 90 degrees out, 95 degrees out. It's hot. Right. And, and I don't care how good a track prep crew is. You're still going to probably have to do some misting during the event to stay in power. That's just, we get it, right? That has to, more than, more than likely, it has to happen. He goes, but why on earth do they not let us pack it in before throwing the green flag, okay? Now, have you seen that happen? As a fan, how much does it bother you when they missed it and then they pack it in for like 30 laps? Do you get restless up there going, go green already? What are you doing? Do you get frustrated? Oh yeah, for sure. Especially if it's the 10th time and, you know, and, and it gets, and, but, you know, but any other end, you know, if it's, if it's 90 degrees and they're doing it, it's different than if they just, they fell behind early because they were lazy during the day and, and didn't get, was the track wasn't even ready for hot laps, you know, kind of thing. But yeah, it can be a little frustrating where they're just idling around and it, it's just constant and lap after lap. And, and the guys are giving you know, a lot of times now they will give the thumbs up and they still keep going. And the racers giving the thumbs up out of the window. We're ready. Tracks good. And then, you know, they're still prayed lapping around. And, and sometimes the people giving the thumbs up are the people in the wrong group. Right. So I've seen it where they missed the high side and the people on the bottom are like, it's good. Right? Oh. <laughs> Cause they're like, I ain't in the slime or maybe the person like second outside is like, it's good. Cause he knows this guy's going to push and he's going to go low anyway. Right. But the guy fourth row back, fifth row back is going, ah, no, we're not good to go. Now, I'm going to say this. <clears throat> if they go green and the track's not ready, drivers, this is your fault. Okay, this is your fault. Because I learned this from Tom Nesbitt. If, if the track's not ready to go, you stop on the racetrack and you tell them it's not ready to go. And if they're like, we're going green anyway, say, my receiver ain't working. Can you look underneath my car while you're doing that? Have a pack to high side whatever you got to do. Right. But you got to stop on the racetrack. And I, I remember doing that in Proctor and a couple of times they got pissed at me. I'm like, you can get pissed all day long, but I'm sitting here until we pack this deal in. Like I'm not moving. You can black flag me. I don't care what you do, but it is not ready to go because when you get clay and it's hard and you get a little water on it, it gets greasy. You come in them cars, they don't oh, yeah. do nothing except for slide. It's, it's dangerous. You're going to wreck equipment. You can hurt somebody. But the driver's got to be adamant about that. The officials will sit and bark at you a little bit. Who cares? Stop on the racetrack. Say, we are not going green yet. It's not happening. So you have to do that. So drivers, I'm going to put that on you that next time that happens, you just stop on the track and make them pack it in and you won't deal with that anymore. So that, that that's, that's enough. We got one more question. We'll get to that in a little bit. So, who could, I mean, you had all the hockey stuff going on this weekend. Yes. Did you watch any racing this weekend? I mean, you probably no, all I caught was, 
I caught the dream day one and then I caught the highlights of dream day two. So I didn't even catch the full race, but yeah, I'm excited to hear about the mod tour. You know, they come up here once a year. It's always the same weekend, same weekend I play. It's, it's so. 95 degrees. out. it's <laughs> racing season. Hockey season is in the winter time. What is wrong? Meg is now put away. It's packed All right. away until right. November. That, that, yeah. I'm, I'm disappointed. It's not hockey season. I don't get, you know, they still got play of hockey going on right now. I'm like, it's freaking June. This the hockey should be done. So hockey's a winter sport now. It's year round, right? But yeah. So the big thing this weekend, the Advantage RV Mod Tour got underway, right? It's supposed to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Of course, Friday at Gondic Law, they rained out. They did not get the race in. But my race of the week this week was at the Donlinger Ford Grand Rapids Speedway, night number one of the Advantage RV Mod Tour. It was a, it was really good. I mean, they had a really good racing surface. It was dry. But it was <clears throat> multiple lanes. Sabraski come from the fourth row. He had a hell of a battle up front with Tyler Peterson and the one TPO. I mean, they were swapping the lead. They were synchronized through one and two. Johnny Broken was in the mix. A little bit of drama with Johnny. You'll have to jump on Dirt Race Central and see that. Um, what, another driver maybe was not real happy with the situation. Looked like a racing deal to me. But uh, you'll have to make your own assessment to that. But needless to say, Sabraski got it done. And I'm telling you, it was multiple lanes of racing. They were three wide through three and four, which, you know, years past, you're not too wide through three and four in Grand Rapids. So yeah. good racing surface over there. Really good to see. Some Saturday night, they went over to the ABC Raceway in Ashland. Cole Spacek got it done over there. That's the Ooh. second big win for him this year. And then Sunday, they went to the Halverline Speedway in Proctor. Johnny Broken got it done. And, uh, I got a text message from Brandon Kopp, who's done a really fast second-year driver. Of course, his dad won a ton of races, and he's like, uh, I think maybe that was not a DNF, but it was worse than a DNF. I probably gave one away, and uh, he was leading. They come down to a couple laps to go right at the end. They get into lap traffic, and Andy Jones is right in front of him, and he got in the back of Andy, and Andy gets turned around, Okay. And the initial call from the from the track workers, like incidental contact, uh, leader on the lap car, cop gets his spot back. We're going to go back to green. And then the series promoter, Ruben, he overruled the call, right? And he's like, ooh, yeah, he overruled it. And he says, no, 22 to the back, okay? Well, the first thing I'm going to say is this. Brandon Cop had no issue with it. Like, he's like, hey, I screwed up. I was impatient. You know, it is what it is. I, I think it was probably the right call. I, I got in there a little hot. I got into him. I initiated the contact. Like, he didn't complain about it at all. He handled it like a true professional. You know, I, I probably would have been a little bit uptight about it, going, how the hell can they overrule that call? I would have been pissed. But he's like, you know, if I wouldn't have got into him, they wouldn't have spun. Could he have saved it? Maybe. He goes, but I got into him. I, I was over, you know, Johnny was all over me and got a little bit impatient, got into him. Now, the fan question of the week, I got this from Jeff. Another, our third and final fan question of the week is, should a series promoter have the latitude to overrule calls made by track officials? That's a slippery slope, okay? Right. What is your thoughts? And then I'll give my thoughts on it. I, I, I do think they, they have to just, um, you know, whether it's right or wrong, when you're following a series, you're going to get a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt, right or wrong, but they need to be loyal to their drivers just a little bit. Um, but I've got to have a question. 
isn't there some sort of Wazota rule where you, you get a little leniency? Isn't there kind of some leader protection if you do know with the, with the lap car, if you, if you kind of bump them a little? What's weird to me, and this is, if you, okay, so if anybody from Wasota is listening, I've been, I've been, I haven't brought this up in years, but I think this should be the case. There is literally no guidelines on how to run a race program for, for a Wasota track. They leave it up to each individual track, okay? To me, that's a mistake. I don't think that should be the case. I think that every single race procedure should be outlined in the book and say, this is how a Wasota event is ran, okay? For the life of me, I don't know why that's not the case, okay? But it's not the case, and, and every track is a little different. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a different spin on this, okay? I, I disagree with you. Um, you you say that they should have the latitude to overcome that now if they have it right if they're given the latitude there needs to be communication on the front side of the event that hey the final call is coming from the series director oh yeah okay there there needs to be that understanding i don't know if there was a proctor or not i don't know that maybe there was i don't know that for sure um so number one it needs to the drivers the fans and the track officials need to know it needs to be communicated that the final say comes from the series director okay now i will say this i think they got the call right um i'm i'm cheering for brandon cop you know i i, I like johnny broking too i was super happy to see johnny in victory lane you know but the fact is you know john you know brandon you know he kind of got a rough deal there because he got into the guy it happens so Ultimately, I think the call was right. Okay. So I will say that I agree with the call. It could have went either way, but I think they made the right call. Um, the question you look at the world of outlaws, right? And Lucas Oil, they don't make a call, period, right? They don't even let the track make a call. They're, they're way on the opposite end of this no fault caution. They don't even make a call. And one of the reasons they don't make a call is because, well, if we make the wrong call, you know, this guy might not follow the series anymore. So I'm looking at it on the promoting side of things and I'm going, Ruben, why would you even want to put yourself in that situation, right? You know, in this case, it worked out. Brandon's like, hey, it is what it is. I screwed up, not a big deal. But I would say a good percentage of the racers might get a little butthurt about that, right? And if they're not really following the series or if they're on the verge and in their mind, they got a bad call from the series director, they're going to be like, screw that series. We don't want nothing to do with it, right? So in my mind, I, I personally, if I was a series director, I wouldn't want to do that. I'd be like, nope, I'm not touching that. My job is to get the drivers here. I'm not, I don't want nothing to do with officiating. Now I might hire a race director or might hire a, like a, a head judge <coughs> to oversee the calls. But as the promoter, I wouldn't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. Like he's more brave than I am. I would want nothing to do with that at all. I don't even know why he would want to do that. But uh, that's an interesting deal. As long as the communication's there, I don't have a problem with it. I look at it, I'm like, I don't think I'd want to make a call. But ultimately, the right call was made in this one. And uh, the series, it's underway three nights in. And uh, they had some good racing. And I don't have the, the point in front of me. Is Johnny Broking going to follow the series? Yeah. Yeah, Johnny yeah. and Bob. Yep. Yep, they sure. And Johnny got, I think he got maybe third third maybe the first night i i don't know how he did up in ashland i think he was up in the top five so he's got to be right there him and Aishans, and there, there's a few guys running up front in that deal so it's going to be it's going to be a good series there's a few more cars following it uh, they had a pretty good turnout 
Grand Rapids Puka, they had 23 cars and only five of those cars are cars that I would consider regulars yeah. at the Grand Rapids Speedway. And then there was a guy from the Falls, Bemidji. So there was like a couple from Duluth, both Loftals were there. There was really only nine Northern cars. So there was 14 travelers that came. So I wow. thought that was a pretty good turnout, you know, pretty good to see. So hopefully that can continue. So other than that, you know, what stuck out to you? You didn't get a chance to really, did you look at any results or anything this weekend? No, no, I just, uh, no, I did see a few laps. I think I'm cruising on social media of the, of the feature. And I said, I did see Sabrassi kind of slicing and dicing. And like I said, the track was black, but they looked like they were all over the place. And then I did hear through chatter that, yeah, a lot of the locals just didn't show up, which, you know, they didn't, you know, I mean, well, the NLR, I, was, I was kind of wondering where the hell is Kelly S. I mean, Skeeter wasn't there. No, Kelly wasn't there. Kelly sold his car. Kelly so somebody, sold his car. Yeah, Kelly really. sold his car. You know, yeah. so I'm kind of wondering. I mean, there's two. I mean, both Ashleys are good. I mean, they're good, yeah. solid drivers. You kind of hope they'd come, but yeah. And Jeff Woods doesn't have his car yet, so there's, yeah. you know, just kind of an interesting deal. Hopefully, they can get a little bit more, a uh, little bit more support over there. But I'll, I got a few notes here, Puka, on some things that stuck out to me. I guess, regionally over the past weekend. And, and the first one is our stomping ground, Hibbing Raceway, right? Kids rides. They had freaking kids rides. Remember that yeah. when you were a kid? Like, oh, yeah. out on the track. I mean, they had a really good turnout of kids there. I talked to Mark Tremberth. He's like, man, it was awesome. He brought me back to my childhood memory. And that's a, a hats off right there to the Hibbing Raceway for doing something different, that fan driver interaction. Super cool. And I saw a bunch of pictures online. Um, Don Monroe with uh, Northland Racing Photography. You can go to his Facebook page. And I mean, I'm telling you, man, the smiles on these kids' yeah. faces, it was epic. I mean, it was so, I mean, far and above the racing, it's that kind of stuff that really makes the sport grow. I thought it was super cool. Another thing is over in Alexandria, Viking Speedway, Sean Olson, they had the Rebel Midwest Mod Tour over there. And uh, Sean Olson parked at Victory Lane. Now, I don't know if you ever remember the name Ryan Music from back in the day. He was a mod guy, Central Minnesota, really good. But the Music Olsen family, I'm telling you, when they win, that I mean, like, it is full out like Mardi Gras, all right? I'm telling you, like, like they are, there ain't a victory lane celebration and a post-race party better than when Sean Olsen wins. And uh, they got it done. He got his first of the year over there. Super cool to see. And, and they have a lot of passion. It's not just the crew, but they got a big fan base, you know, and every night they have a party and everybody's hanging out. And I mean, it's a, uh, it, it was super cool to see the excitement and the energy there. And then speaking of the passion, right? So my dad, I, I talked to him after he was up at the Grand Rapids Speedway. He's like, you want to know what the biggest cheer was in Grand Rapids? Austin Carlson passed Chad Finkbone to win the Pure Stock feature. Now, I'm not going to just go and say, well, everybody hates Finkbone. That's why they cheered. No, they're sick of him winning. He wins like every single right. race. I mean, the guy barely ever loses. Well, right. third generation driver, because of course, Ted raced and been involved with the board and Tim raced. He's been involved with the board. And now Austin and Dalton both raced, but Austin Carlson passed him to win. Not only beat him, but he passed him to win. And my dad's like, I was sitting right in front of Ted and, and you know, they're, they're emotional. Like, you know, they were swelled up there. Yeah, tears pouring like they were that excited for a regular night win but that's the kind of thing that really the sport needs that that kind of energy so a couple of cool things there but <clears throat> let's get to the national news 
We'll, we'll start briefly for Keith. we got to touch on the sprint cars or he's going to get really upset. Now, it was actually pretty entertaining. I mean, let's face it, Polka. It's World of Outlaw Sprint Cars at Knoxville, right? Yeah. It's the Mecca. I did watch this, too. Yeah, it's the Mecca. And, and the first night, Carson Macedo got by Kerry Madsen three, four laps to go. Shots started outside of row number one in his quest to 300. I'm like, maybe he gets it tonight. Nope, he got like fourth or whatever. Pretty good run for him still. But, uh, but uh, yeah, Macedo got by Kerry Madsen late to win that one. Then on Saturday, he got by him again. But then that was early in the race. And next thing you know, Madsen snuck back by him. I'm like, okay, well, he's getting it back. They take the white flag. They come in the corner. He shoves the nose. Back goes Macedo again. He doubled up. It's like, uh, and you can tell Kerry Madsen was like, like visibly upset. Like I yeah. gave one away. Like yeah. I screwed up. But well, so, so one, one, double up. One thing I thought of after watching the highlights on those, and I hate saying this, it pains me to say this, but you know that old 80-20 rule, you know, 20% of the drivers, like when 80% of the races, you know, that whole 20-80-20 rule, you can apply to almost anything in life. I think Donnie Schatz is now, I don't think he's in that 20% anymore. I mean, this quest for 300, um, you know, Sweet, Gravel, Macedo, Hotchild, Shuhart, you know, of course, Kyle Larson when he's there. You know, he's like in the 90-10 rule, you know, but, right, but right. It, it, it pains me to say it, but I just don't think he's going to, well, no, I'll be, well, Craig, we're, shit, it's what, June, middle of June, and, and was he, you know, I don't even think he has a win, he had a one win, yeah, right, one win early on that was not a roll of the ball laws, it was IRA or whatever, so, and like I said, he's still third, fourth in points, he's, he's running solid, but man, he just, he's just not in that. I don't think we'll know. Like I said, we got another, whatever, four or five months to go. We'll see. I mean, he'd have to put a hell of a rally together, um, which if a guy could do it, it could be him. But like I said, it pains me to say it, but I, I just don't think he's, you know, and whether it's that motor program, we've talked a lot about, I don't know what it is, obviously, but uh, I'd really like to see Donnie in victory lane, get that 300. Right. Maybe at Cedar Lake, maybe when they come to Cedar Lake, you know, and, and they interviewed him and he's like, I'm embarrassed. It's, it's embarrassing not having any wins. I'm really, he's like really, and now, now at, at the beginning of the year, he's like, all right, I'm sick of hearing about 300, right? Because he's one away from 300. That's a huge milestone, right? He'll be the, I think, I think it's just uh, Kinzer and Swindell, right? Swindell, I think. Yeah. So he'll be the third, I believe. But the fact is, now he's just getting all frustrated. And like you said, he's running good. It's not like he's like garbage. He's not like running in the back. He's, he's in the top five just about every night. He's consistent. He's there. He's just got to get over the hump to get that win and it'd be good to see he's a he's one of our guys right he's a yeah, semi local right. guy to us so we want to see that so so donnie shots get her done man That's 300 crazy. get that done i have a feeling that if he wins the wins one i think he's gonna win a few right because yeah. he's there he's close but i think he's got to get that first one in the books and then then he'll get a couple more after that now will he have that dominant you know you know 10 win season or whatever I don't think that's going to happen, but, right. but I, I think he's got a few left in him. I mean, he's there just, he's just missing a little something. Now this, let's, let's talk gear language. Now let's get into the late model scene. <laughs> we talked a little bit about the teching, you know, the dream times two epic event. I mean, it was super cool seeing fans and I mean, just yeah. all out excitement at that place, 127 and 126,000, just absolutely mind boggling how much money they paid. You know, obviously Brandon Overton doubled up at that deal, which 
is just crazy. I mean, over a quarter million dollars in winnings over in the weeks. I mean, so that, that, that's got to feel pretty good. Um, he probably did not go to the casino and spend his dream winnings like somebody <laughs> else has in the past. Um, but um, what stuck out to you from the little bit that you saw over at Eldora? What stuck out to you from uh, this year's dream? Well, well, I was happy with McDowell. I did pick him to win the first night. You know, he was, he was in contention, you know, he was a, a top seven car, I believe each night, but um, so good to see that, you know, he's still, you know, he, he's in his fifties or maybe even 60, you know, he can still, still get her, you know, on a fast track like that, you know, you're moving. So he was nice and smooth and it was good to see that a Bloomquist car can still compete. Um, Cause Scott certainly isn't. And then uh, Bronson, I was kind of impressed with Bronson. I don't think a lot of people expect, you know, he, he got the flat tire the second night, but he was in about the top five, but that first night, you know, he was running well. Uh, he was, you know, then he fell back and he kind of came back again. So good weekend for Bronson. Like I said, I don't, you know, I don't think he's ever won there. And I don't even know if he's really had many top five there. So a uh, good weekend for him. You want to talk about the Josh Rice engine meltdown just a little bit. I'm sure some people might've run into that on social media. I, I didn't even know something like that could happen. That was insane. So yeah. him and Kyle Larson had a hell of a battle going in the heat, right? And this was day one. And it's like, I mean, it was dicey. It was entertaining. And all of a sudden he comes in and his motor was dieseling. So evidently it must've got like crazy hot because when, when it gets really hot, what dieseling is, is the motor just won't shut off. You can flip the switch off and that baby just keeps going. And it's like, like it's stuck at a high RPM. So it's sitting there in a pits and it's just revved up and it, it wouldn't shut off at all. Smoke is bellowing out. I'm going, Oh man, that is crazy. And really all they got to do is they got to starve it, right? They got to take away the, the air from it is what yeah. they got to do. And I think eventually they did that, but that was, I never seen anything like that. Now I've had that happen one time before in a super, not like that. That was, that was a whole nother level, but I was at Cedar Lake. I had a new engine in and I took a rock through the radiator and I didn't have a water pressure light. Right. So racers, if you don't have a water pressure light, get a water pressure light. It's actually more important than temperature because if you lose water pressure, that means you're probably out of water, right? Because the, the water temp gauge will not read steam. It doesn't read steam, right? So you have to have a pressure light. Well, I didn't have one. I come in after the feature, the car wouldn't shut off. It, I, and quite honestly, it, it wasn't running quite right. I, I just stayed out there anyway. It was a Wasota 100 deal. And then I stayed out there and I probably should have pulled off. That's when I was young and really dumb, right? So if it ain't running right, pull off to save yourself. But yeah, that thing kept running and there wasn't much left of it. It got cooked. It was, it was a bad deal, but that was, that was definitely one of the interesting things on night one, but night one really started out. Did you see what happened the, to start out the night? Well, Scott Bloomquist. <laughs> nothing, nothing like a, yeah, fashionably late, you know? So I talked to his pit guy, I talked to Charlie. I'm like, what in the hell happened? Like, how can you guys possibly be late for the dream? kidding me right the biggest pain like what are you doing well they were they were getting the new car together and they just got running behind and like they wanted to get the new car done they wanted the new car out and they just they just ran out of time they got there late they got there so late they missed a driver's meeting they weren't allowed to qualify at that point you might as well just say screw it you know there's no sense even because i mean you're out the qualifying points you're going to start in the back of the heat i mean you're that that event's done you might as well just mark it at that point but he pulled in and 
they interviewed uh, Kyle Larson. They did a yeah. one lap, one beer, and he's like, "Well, that's t- you know, that's that's Scott Bloomquist at Eldora. Same deal there, you know." And uh, Jeff even pointed out, he said, "What do you think of his comment of calling him out with a casino? Like, if there's a casino nearby, he'll probably end up at the casino." Jeff's like, "You know, this guy's kind of new to late model. It's kind of bold, maybe." And I'm like, "You know, it's a given. I mean, it's Scott Bloomquist. That's like true. It's not like talking smack." So, but but that's Bloomer now. Did you see Jason Fager's wild ride? Yes. Yes, boy, that was uh, – yeah, I'm sure glad he was able to walk away, boy. I mean, it even broke on the records. They had the double records, and the bumper broke off. That's how bad – you know, they had to reconnect somewhere else. I mean, thank God he's okay. Yeah, I heard he broke an engine and everything. That was absolutely – that was one of the more violent rolls I've seen in a late model in a while. That was – I think that was a pretty new car, too. Might have been a brand new yeah, brand new car. The brand new car yeah. and engine is about to be dead. Yeah. Ugh. And then he, then he stuck it out because I, I know he's following the hell tour. So I thought maybe, oh, maybe he'll just load up and save his stuff for the hell tour. And he's like, no, we're going to, we're here to race. So he's a racer. I mean, he likes to race And a little bit more drama on the last night. Did you see um, Ricky Weiss intentionally dump Bobby Pierce on the last night? No, but I saw in the highlights that, but they didn't do a replay. So I, but I saw that there was some, an incident, but they, you know, they kind of got to it late, you know, kind of thing. What, right. uh, what happened there? Fill well, there in. was some drama. So needless to say, they have a history. I don't know if you remember uh, um, Sierra, which is Bobby's sister chasing after Sean Gage down in the pits. I think that was down in Arizona. So they have a little yeah. history anyway. And uh, so I don't exactly know what happened on the racing deal, but needless to say, Weiss dumped them. And RTJ got caught up in that deal. He got wrecked. Yeah. Well, rumor has it, right? And I tried to get 100% facts, but rumor has it that later on that night that uh, Bobby Pierce might have give Ricky Weiss a little sweet chin music that night. So I, I, Ooh, heard, no there was, yeah, I heard there was a little post-race stuff down in the pits after the races. And I even I even went as far as messaging Bobby Pierce on Facebook just, just to see. And I, I, couldn't get a, I couldn't get a response from him. <laughs> I was going to see if I could get a little dirt, but he probably wanted to leave that one alone. In fact, I'll just, I'll just double-check my messages here to see if anything popped up. Ooh. Um, <laughs> he, okay, so I did get a message from Bobby Pierce. LOL and a wink. That's what I got from Bobby Pierce. Whoa! LOL and a wink. <laughs> he goes, running a lot. And then I asked him if he's going to run the Hell Tour. He says, I'm going to run a lot of them, but not all of them. So, oh, okay. so there you have it. I got, I got the <laughs> LOL and a wink from Bobby Pierce. So a little bit what? of post-race activity between uh, the Pierce camp and the Ricky Weiss camp. Where were they running at that time, roughly? Mid, okay. further back. Not, not real good. Not, not. I wouldn't say like contention for anything for sure. Okay. <laughs> yep. So yeah, a little bit of drama there, you know. And and quite honestly, the story of that whole deal. I mean, Brandon Overton. I mean, that is. I think that's fifteen wins on the year for him now. I mean, so he's he might have even passed JD. He might be the win leader now. Davenport is right around there, but them are the only two even close to that. So he might be, he might have taken over for sure. He took over the money, right? For sure he took yeah. that over. You know, so well, and and you know, last year it was remember it was at the three-ring circus, Owens, Overton, and Bishop. And he's just kept that momentum. Of course, Owens and Bishop. I mean, Bishop had an all right weekend. I mean, he was either heard his name. I didn't hear Owens' name, you know, much. So um yeah, so whatever they're doing, and like you said, we're going to find out if he's cheating. We should know any minute, you know, if he's cheating. 
So good, you know, congratulations to Brandon Overtime. And they, they confirmed it. already he, he passed tech. He's out. Like, oh, he did. Okay. Yeah, his stuff's all done. So so he officially won both dreams last year's and this year's in the same week. So hell of a week for Overton. So let's get to it. Some who's not and who's hot by our friends over at LM Radiator. And uh I know you got a little bit to say about them. They're right in our backyard, right from Kibbing, you know, right where kind of right. we grew up, if if yeah. we Right. So talk a little bit about yeah. LM Radiator. So Ryan talked about it last week. LM Radiator, big company, family owned, less than a mile from the Hibbing Raceway. They're looking for people. They've got jobs available. We're going to put the web, uh, website in the show notes. It's masabi.com, M E S A B I, masabi.com. We'll, we'll put it in there. But right now, a couple of the jobs they're looking for application engineers, drafters, quality assurance coordinators. They need some HR people. Uh, like I said, that as of last week, they had like 30 openings available right now, part-time, full-time, summer help. And those of you young people, you just graduated high school. That's all you need there. You don't need a two or four-year degree. They'll train you. Get your application. Like I said, good job. Family-owned. They got the benefits, the bonuses, the production bonuses, the profit sharing, that whole deal. So it's a great place. Because Brian and I know many people that have spent long careers there. And you know their motto is work where you play. Like I said, we got a racetrack less than a mile away from your place you work. You go over to the Donlinger Ford, Grand Rapids Speedway, 25 miles away on Thursday nights. Plenty of hunting, plenty of fishing, mountain biking, all that kind of stuff. So get your application to masabi.com if you're interested in finding some work. Absolutely. So let's get to it. Uh, who do you have on who's hot? Give me a couple drivers that come to mind. Who's hot? Well, like you said, cowboy up, you know, three in a row looking good. You know, Johnny Broking, another weekend, another win. And I see Cole Searing notched one uh, over at Casino. Uh, you know, he had that good good weekend last week. He just couldn't quite find victory lane, but he had, you know, some top three finishes on that big uh, challenge series swing. So that's kind of who I've gotten. Tyler Kittner, I guess, would be the last guy. You know, I see he, he I got her done last night at Halver Lions. So I think he's got two or three weeks in a row here where he's Four notched it. Four of his last five. Four of his last five for Tyler. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Who you, who you I got? I, well, I got Brandon Overton. I mean, when you come off a week like that, I think he's leading the win count nationally for late models. Um, if he's not, he's within one of, of JD, but I think he's leading for sure. He's leading the money, but I mean, an absolute dominant weekend over in Eldora. So Brandon Overton, number one, Carson Macedo, I have him a pair of wins. When you double up in Knoxville, that has to give him some massive confidence coming into the Knoxville Nationals in August, which is obviously the the biggest race, right, for the world of outlaw sprint cars. So when you double up in Knoxville in June, you got to be feeling really good about August. And then Cole Spacek, um, second-generation driver, modified guy, two big wins. He got the Memorial Day deal last week. He won. It was two grand to win up in Ashland. He goes back to Ashland for the Advantage Army Mod Tour. Stout field of cars, both of them, right? Both weekends had a stout field of cars, and he won that one for 1500 so a pair of wins there for Cole Spacek. Now, let's get into who's not. Who do you have on who's not? Well, I touched a little bit just when we were talking about Overton, how, you know, last year Owens and Bishop, you know, it was, like I said, three, a three-horse race, and, and those two have definitely cooled off. Didn't hear, didn't hear a lot out of Turbo again this weekend. And like I said, Bloomquist, just so disappointing. That's a place where he's just always been so competitive. And I knew there was a new car coming out, which I, I think – Maybe you can reflect on that. It seems sometimes maybe it's risky unless you can actually test it. I mean, what, you know, what, 
you know, some little part or just something isn't right. Can't get the car to fire. I don't know. Remember Madden last year was supposed to start on the pole. He can get his car to fire during the, the stream. But yeah, just, just disappointing because he just, there's just something about Bloomquist at Aldor and the fans booing and, and it's just, it adds to the whole, like I said, the passion of the sport. It's good for the sport when he's competitive there. Yeah. And, and quite honestly, he just hasn't been competitive. So it's, it's, it's one of those deals. Is he going to get back to where he can be? I don't know. I haven't, I've seen a couple of glimpses of some speed, but nothing that really gives me any reason to believe he's going to knock off a couple wins. So I have a couple, I got Ricky Weiss. I mean, I mean, literally Puka three podiums all year long. That's it. Over the whole course of the year, three podiums, zero wins, 12th and 24th this weekend. Just not good. Um, I'm not sure what's going on there. I don't know if it's a money deal. I don't know if it's switching over the cars. I don't know what's going on there, but I mean, he is just a non-factor. I don't know what's going on with Team Canada. Now, Brad Sang, right? Brad Sang is a guy that he was in the top 10 in the power rankings much of last year, one podium in nine races. Unreal. Like he had a really high percentage of, of top threes and fours last year, had a bunch of wins and, he had a shot at a win in Grand Rapids, gave it away, made a poor decision. Now I got a theory behind this. Okay. So he's heavily involved. Some would say too involved with running the river city speedway up in Grand Forks, you know, kind of a natural deal. Oh, Drivers, you know, they like to maybe take part and start helping run the track. I feel like it's a distraction. I, I think that he needs to back away from the river city speedway, let everybody there do their thing, put his focus back on racing because I heard rumors that like he's kind of somewhat involved in a in a behind the scenes way on race night. You can't do that. Oh. It, it ain't gonna work. You know, it's gonna it, it's it's really weighing on his racing. So the best thing he can do is say, look, here's the deal on race night, I'm racing. And and he can do all the stuff he wants to do during the week, but on race night, put your phone away, don't be getting involved with nothing. Let the people that run the track run the track, you focus on winning races. Because if you're not going to win, if you're not going to run up front, why race? Just just run the track then, because he's been struggling really bad. And uh, the third one I have is the Canadian government. All right. Open <laughs> the freaking borders already. I mean, come on. You know, I, here I thought Minnesota and all that was behind, like behind the eight ball with all this COVID crap and all that. I don't care what your beliefs are. It's time for them to wake up up there open up the borders. We want our Canadian drivers or Canadian fans to be able to race. We want them to come down here. We miss all y'all. And so the Canadian government wake the hell up. Now, they're listening to the show. They're listening to the show. They're going to get. Absolutely. So, so yeah, Edgington, uh, um, yeah. Uh, Ward Emery pass this along right to the, to the government up there. Make sure they hear this. The one to go show says, wake up. It's time to open the borders. So our friends up there can start racing again because we miss you guys. So now let's get to it. The last lap brought to you by Zuli's Race Engines. A couple more wins here for the team. Zuli's several wins. I, I have a few of them that I wrote down here. Justin Vogel, he won one of the uh, Steffa Speedstock Tour races this weekend. Aaron Blacklands doubled up up in Greenbush. Parker Anderson got win number 15 of the year. Paul Lease won a Superstock feature. There was several others. But Zuli Race Engine is getting her done. It seems to be a weekly thing. Get a hold of him. He's, he'll help you out. He'll treat you right. And uh, they got a good program over there. So what do you have? Do you have anything uh, that comes to mind, <clears throat> like, in the last lap segment here? 
No, I did. I did uh, see that you had the Kyle Larson one lap, one beer. So I did listen to it. And I kind of agree, you know, he, those, those comments with Bloom, because is there a casino near here? You know, that he might've went over a, a line a little bit there unless they're buddies. Maybe they are. Cause remember, wasn't it about a year ago when they spoofed something where Bloom was, was a like, rumor. yeah, there was yeah. a rumor. He's going to drive for Bloomquist. There was right. a rumor going out. You know, so, you know, if they're good enough buddies and you said that not a big deal, I mean, I watched that on YouTube and there were like 34,000 views. So, I mean, it's, it's out there, you know, like, Oh, there's like a CR on, you know, just, just a little odd. Just a little odd. <laughs> yeah. That, there probably is some truth. Now he also said that uh, late models are quite humbling, right? Cause it, the guy wins at everything, but all of a sudden he's like, I thought I was a half mile guy and I didn't run good. Yeah. Here and I didn't run good at Portsmouth. So, so it can be humbling, but uh, I, and really I don't pay much attention to NASCAR, but dude, he won three in a row. The Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte, the Toyota Save Mart 350 at Sonoma, and then he just won the All-Star Open at Texas for a cool million. I mean, so not only late models, sprint car, USAC, midgets, NASCAR, trucks, it don't matter. The, the, the dude just races. He's racing tonight, All-Star Circuit of Champions. He's racing tonight in that. So, and he talked about he wants to win the NASCAR championship, and he wants to win the Flow the, the that flow weekly series yeah. the racing night in america he wants to win that one too so kyle larson i mean drink it in it, it just is what it is let's be honest if you're a race fan you can love them you can hate them it don't matter right but you need to sit back and you need to really embrace what's going on here because this is a once in a lifetime deal i mean tony stewart is the next probably best right that I can remember like he won in several different things but I feel like Kyle Larson has taken that to a whole nother level oh yeah yeah I mean Stewart didn't dominate I mean, he would win but right. I mean, Kyle dominates like I said he comes back to a sprint car race it's the 90 10 rule it's not the 80 20 exactly exactly so Puka I gotta stop this here for a minute I have to jump off I gotta I was hoping to be done before this but I got to jump on. I got to do like a 15 minute deal or whatever. And then I'm going to have to splice these together. Okay. So, so I gotta, I gotta do a conference call for somebody really quick. So let me, okay. I'm going to end this one and then I'll jump on after, and then we'll do that next one. Okay. Yeah. Just shoot me a text. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So we were talking about Kyle Larson there. You know, let's jump into another subject here. You know, this is a class that he hasn't won in is super stocks. Okay. I'm just going to be <laughs> honest. I mean, he just hasn't won in a super. I don't know how good he is. Um, but little news in the super stock world there, Puka. Chateau Speedway down in Lansing, which is kind of the Friday night deal in Minnesota down by Deer Creek. Uh, they announced yeah. today no more super stocks. They dropped them. Um, they've had less than five down there a couple nights in a row. And they have a bunch of classes, and basically, it's uh, if if you want to race at our track, you're gonna to have to pick one of the other classes. And I'm all about them dropping the four. I'm not all about them dropping supers. I mean, come on, that's my favorite class, you know. That's but right. but I, I get it. I was talking to Dan Desalki about that. That's one of the tracks he runs at. He's like, that was my favorite track. Now I gotta. He goes, I'm either gonna to have to get in a different class, or I'm gonna to have to race Menominee or something. So quite the interesting Ooh. deal. But uh, we have some shout-outs, and you mentioned Tyler Kittner already, four of the last five. Um, there's a few shout-outs that I want to give just a little extra. 
Dude, George Levine. Did you see that? Yeah. George Levine. First yeah. win since 2013. Bravo was there. He kind of got to him, but George held it smooth. He looked really good. Back in victory lane, great to see. It's always it's always cool to see an underdog win if you're not racing against them. Um, Trajan Schmidt, uh, a buddy of mine, I'm kind of helping this kid out. Incidentally, they got uh, one to go show stickers on the car. Okay, I wow, there you go. that out. But he Magic. got his first win in a super stock this past weekend over in Madison, so that was super cool. And then uh, another guy, the reigning champ in the super stocks, Kevin Burdick. He's got four of his last five. He's he's red hot. Rob Petrov out west in Montana, four of his last five. And AJ Demel, a guy that we've been going, where's Waldo? Where the hell is this guy? What's he doing, right? He ain't following the challenge series. What's he doing? Well, he unloads at the Tom Siding Memorial over at the Red Cedar Speedway. AFCO Race Champions Qualifier Night, by the way, right? I, oh, I really? Go to the 100 or not, but he parked in Victory Lane, $3,000 richer. So is he maybe getting right in a rhythm right before the Masters? Right. Possibly. Possibly. Well, he, that, might, he might be the guy to win. Uh, how, how about Jeffrey Woods and Hibbing, too? What's that, his second win? Yeah, he had one last year. I tell you, he's looked good all year. Yeah. Um, he has, He's really coming around as a race car driver smooth he's he's kind of on his game i i would not be surprised if that 55 i'm gonna put the over and under at four wins this year i think he's got a handful in him like he's, he's looking pretty good I, i'm pretty impressed actually so the picks of the week let's just do a little quick recap last week so jeff had overton on day one he's like i was gonna pick it well you didn't okay you only picked a one you only get one okay so jeff gets him on day one you had carson macedo on day one and the rest of us, the golden goose egg. Um, <laughs> again, okay. Um, yeah, boo on that one. So I'm at 13, Bert's at 10, Jeff's at seven, Pete and Puka, you're both at four, and Keith, come on, buddy. Come on, come on, come on. You're at three. So you're you're lagging behind. I, I'm just gonna be honest with you, Keith. If Puka beats you, I'm going to be awfully disappointed because, like, you've had lots of weeks to be ahead of him, and he's, he's only picked the last couple of weeks. So our picks for this week, we posted them here. You know, we're going to post them on the page because we're picking the World of Outlaw Late Models events. I believe there's three. We're going to pick some World of Outlaw Sprint Car events. There's three of those. We got the Clash at the Mag, um, which is a Lucas Oil Late Model event. We're only going to pick Saturday because it's a 5,000, 5,000, and then 15,000. And then uh, the Masters. We're going to pick the, the Saturday events that are both paying 10 grand to win for the USMTS modifieds and for the, we'll call them local late models, because it's not with soda, but it's it's their local late model type rule. So we're picking all those, but I posted them here for everybody to see. If you're listening on the podcast and you're wondering what we picked, you're just going to have to jump on Facebook and watch the show. So with that said, though, we're going to do this. We're going to talk about our sure bet our sure bet of the week. We're, we each got one in mind that we're like, this one's a lock. Who do you got? Yeah. Back up the truck and put the money in, right? Back up the yep. truck. I'm taking Jimmy Mars at the Masters in the late models that Saturday night. I think it's a sure bet. He's going to be there, obviously, racing Thursday, racing Friday. Practically a home track for him. I like Mars, hands down on Saturday night at the Masters. And I also like Rodney Sanders over Ramirez over the weekend down there. Rodney runs pretty good in Cedar Lake. Now, Jimmy Mars, if you remember last year, um, his blinker stuck 
um, and he actually moved over and let um, Hannistead buy to win that ten grand. Hannistead last year, he that's the first weekend that he raced, and he went up to Superior, and we're like, and then I remember we talked to him, like he went up to Superior and he won. He's like, I wonder if some of these guys are going to come down on Saturday. I'm like, nobody's coming out. If they ain't there on Thursday, Friday. Nobody's just going to show up on Saturday. It ain't going to happen. Like, nobody would do that. If you're going to race for 10 grand to win, you're going to be there the first two nights. I had to eat crow because <laughs> not only did Hannison show up randomly out of nowhere for the, just the Saturday deal, he won it. I'm like, all right, I guess I was proved wrong on that one, right? So he got her done. So, yeah, that, that'll be interesting. Mars, he, he had a shot to win that one. I actually have Demo to win that one in my, in my picks. Awesome. So my Sherbet of the Week, and this one's interesting, right? And I know Bert picked the same guy that I did here, okay? Really? Jimmy Owens is going to win the Clash of the Bay. You're going he on a limb. He has had a terrible year, okay? But he won three of four up there at, at uh, uh, what is it, Columbus, Mississippi, um, the, the Mag. He won three yeah. of four last year. He got second the other night, so, like, literally top two. He's going back to – to Columbus, he's coming out of there with a win. Jimmy Owens will win the clash at the Meg. Write it down. You heard it here first. Gutsy move. Gutsy call. I like it. All right. So let's get to the must-see events of the week. Okay. Who do you who do you have? Give me a couple, three, ten, whatever, however many you want to talk about. But uh this week, whether you're there in person or watching on, on a streaming platform. What is something that you just can't miss? Yeah, I'm really hoping to make it down to the Masters. If not, I'll have to catch it online. My wife, another back surgery tomorrow, third one since November. So we're busy here with the kids and soccer and all that. But I'm really hoping I can at least go down and catch one night. Just like you said, too, Hell Tours kicking off. That's always fun and exciting. Hardly wait till they get back to Fairbury. See some, I haven't seen any dirt slinging at Fairbury in a long time. So excited to see that. And I'm really interested. My third one is that PA Swing. For the world of outlaw late models because you've got max blair who actually won the firecracker last year you have saturday accurate's already won a world of outlaw late model race so you get those guys in there you know we talk about the pennsylvania posse with the sprints there's some real good late model drivers in that area too that could steal the show or two who knows so i'm going to keep an eye on that too what do you got so it's uh, how long you've been married 20 or on, on year 23 See, see what happens. You get married to Puka with him for 23 years. You got a bad back. I mean, you should be carrying you for 23 years. No wonder she got a bad back. All right. All right. So, uh, so, so Heather, we feel for you. I hope surgery goes good, but trust me, we understand. Okay. We get it. Me and Bert been carrying Puka for a long time as well. So my back started to hurt too. All right. So my must see events of the week. I mean, you got to go with the masters, right? I mean, that's, that's number one. I mean, the USMTS mods coming in, there's some stout local guys, um, like Sabraski got second in that deal last year. He ran good. I, I'm pretty sure he's going. Ashley Anderson has been red hot. Um, so I assume he's going to be there. Daryl Nelson unloaded. I, I assume, well, Jesse Glenn's will be there. AJ Demo will be there. These are all local guys. And then you add in, you know, Sanders, Ramirez, and Mullins, and <coughs> Jake O'Neill, and all these guys. You're going to see a hell of a modified show. And then the late models, of course, you know, that, I mean, you put 10 grand to win. There's only a handful of 10 grand to win shows in our area. So when they come to town, you want to see that. I believe this week's event at the Masters is on race and dirt. Um, oh, typically, okay. Typically, Dirt Race Central covers it with the FYE.TV. Uh, right. 
you'll, you'll have to look, but I'm pretty sure it's racing dirt because they're contracted with the USMTS. So you'll sure. have to take the action there. Um, the Hell Tour starts tonight. We're posting this. It's Tuesday right now. We're doing the show, of course, on Monday. But the Hell Tour starts this week. I'm jacked for that. I mean, there you want to talk about stout late models up in the PA area. That Illinois contingent. Oh, yeah. Really, really good hot rods are on there. So, and you just never know who's going to pop in. Of course, they go to Fairbury and all that. Speaking of Fairbury, did you see that Kyle Larson has a Prairie Dirt Classic on his schedule? Yeah, I, I heard him talking about that on the one lap yeah. one year. So that is so very exciting. That'll be good. That'll be good stuff. And then, then I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with this theme. Okay, we got late models, we got sprints, we got all that stuff, right? The Stephus Street Stock Tour. They go to the River City Speedway in Grand Forks in the Devil's Playground. They go to Devil's Lake Speedway up in Prairie, North Dakota, and uh, they've been putting on a hell of a show. I'm I'm talking like. They, they could probably go first, but I mean, uh, they put on a great, great show, a great following. I'm not sure. I know that Devil's Lake is on Darn TV, and I think Grand Forks is on River City Speedway TV. So them are both them are both races that you can watch online if you can't get there. So pretty good stuff going on. What is your weekend plans you talked about maybe heading down to the masters is that kind of what's on the card right uh, now? yeah i'm hoping but uh we like i said soccer I and mean, of course weather is going to play a factor i don't know we haven't had a raindrop up here in what a month so i'm not really worried about a rain oh maybe down there they have but we haven't but you know if i if i can't make you know thursday probably grand rapids hoping maybe get cedar lake friday and then possibly hibbing on saturday but like i said everything's kind of up in the air based on uh you can't uh, say the r word this is a racing show you can't even say why would you even <laughs> say that like well it's it's we haven't seen it it's good we're good for the year i think we're already i mean they're, they're talking about bear warnings already bears are coming into town there's no food in the forest everything's dry so it's like keep your garbage you know especially you're living on the outskirts and stuff it's it's early june it's like there's supposed, supposed to be you know but the blueberries haven't even bloomed. There's supposed to be all this food, then the blueberries come through. But yeah, it's uh, it's been crazy up here. So in, in a perfect world, we can have that type of stuff from like 1 a.m. till about 6 a.m. <laughs> you can do that every night, just yeah. just just enough to saturate everything, get some moisture in the tracks, right? Um, get some moisture out in the fields for the farmers and all that. Yeah. We don't need that during the day. We don't need that during the day. <laughs> Um, my weekend plans um, on Saturday, I'm heading back to the Sycamore Speedway. I'm going to help my buddy Dave Dolchek. Um, he's he's in he's in the danger zone right now, right? Last year we were talking about Justin Ritchie um, possibly having to wear a bridesmaid's dress. Um, he's, he's got seconds every night. Um, and, Ooh. yeah, I, I just told him, I said, this can't happen. And, and quite honestly, he's a little disappointed. Second is the first loser. That's just unacceptable. It really is. So we've been kind of scratching our heads trying to get that thing faster. So I'm going to head over to Sycamore, and we're going to go put a beat down on There's a four car over there. Um, he might as well not even show up because he's not going to win this week. Um, it just is what it is. We're going to make sure of that. But I'm going to go help him at Sycamore, and then I'll be watching a bunch online. Let me know if you decide to go to Cedar Lake on Friday, let me know early enough. I might bust over there and join you for that on Friday. Um, just, I got to know early enough to where I can make that happen. Um, yeah. If you go, I might go to that with you. Um, otherwise I'll be watching that online for sure. So that's what we have going on. So episode 84 in the books, lots of racing action coming up. You underdogs in victory lane this week, a little bit of drama at the racetrack, right? Chucking elbows, a little sweet chin music, uh, rumors have it right with some drivers and you know the people that are hot are staying hot but hookah 
bring us home. Yeah, well, yeah, and that's what I was going to say. You know, firecracker next week, and then we got all the Fourth of July racing. Then we're going to start getting into those crown jewels. You know, we're going to start with I eighty, and and then there's the Lucas. I think are in Jackson, and and I think Deer. I think there's even a show in Deer Creek in July or go, something. So go for fifty. Yeah, yeah, go for yeah, go for fifty, and then all that. So we're like really going to start getting into it here, just like you said. So we want to thank, uh, like I said, Zuli's Race Engines. LM Radar. If you're looking for a job, Masabi.com. Just put on the show notes. Of course, Dirt Track Supply. We'll have their website in there too. Uh, and like I said, maybe they'll sh- they ship daily, ship to you, so you can buy your race parts from everywhere and anywhere. If you'd like to comment, of course, go ahead and comment right on on Facebook or YouTube or the One to Go Show at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. For I Ao, I am Puka. Get out there and be your dream. Your two two One to Go Show. A production of Gold Sports Media, LLC.